Welcome to the To Faithful Men podcast. This project started in 2006 to preserve old sermon and study tapes of Wiley Flanagan, Hassel Wallace, and Mike Strevel. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. scriptures this morning to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and I continue to be uh, sweetly blessed with uh, meditations on the second coming of Christ, and I read somewhere this week about prayer that uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus would often cover uh, momentous sermons. Actually, Sermon on the Mount is unlike, undoubtedly a, a summary of more lengthy teaching, but under the inspiration of the Scripture, uh, some very weighty subjects would be summarized in two or three verses. And the subject of prayer occupies no less than 18 verses in the Sermon on the Mount. Now that tells us something about the importance of prayer. And I believe that it is true that there is something uh, of, of uh, increasing consequence in the frequency of, of uh, the appearance of a subject in the Scriptures. Everything in the Bible is important. Everything is true. Everything is the Word of God. But when it keeps saying thing over and over and over and over again, we better really sit up and pay attention. And I've just been amazed anew at, at the massive amount of Scripture that deals with the second coming of Christ. Uh, the subject is dealt with at length in several places in the New Testament and in some in the Old Testament. But it is, it is uh, mentioned uh, as, as, a, as something that's just understood, something that just that just is common that we we relate to just in every book of the of the New Testament and just about every book and I'm reading the New Testament right now and I'm looking for every mention that I could come up with of the second coming of Christ and they're profuse absolutely profuse in fact I noticed something else that not only are exhortations and warnings relating to the second coming of Christ, but also, you know, we usually think of, of uh, steadfastness of duty, and uh, it's epitomized, I suppose you could say, in, in our marriage vows. What do we say in our marriage vows? Till death do us part. And, and vows of, of fidelity like Ruth's to Naomi... If anything but death part thee and me. So we talk about, I'm going to be faithful till the death. And we admire that. But you know, I don't see that all that much in the, in the New Testament. I was just amazed at this. You know what, you know what the, the assumption is and what they say? I'm going to be faithful until the coming of Christ. The focus is not on death. Although there's a lot of scripture about dying and death and what death does and, and what will happen when, when you die and all of that's good. But in terms of of faithfulness and steadfastness and fidelity. It's not until death. 
It's until Jesus comes again. Now, death may precede that, and so you've got death covered. Um, but as I said Wednesday night, you know, the old saying is that the only two things that are sure is death and taxes. Well, you know, death isn't sure. And I rejoiced in this truth this week that uh, there's a very real possibility that you will never die. Possibility. Because the Bible tells us that when Jesus comes again, there's, there are going to be people alive on the earth. That when He comes again, the dead in Christ are going to be raised, and those who are alive and remain until His coming shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air and forever be with Him. They'll be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. So, so you know, there's something sort of, sort of morbid about death. And, uh, and, and you know, the world, the world can't understand that. That we don't view death with morbidity. We, we don't. We don't think of it as something morbid. We think of death as, as the door to the world to come. Why, we, we hope that we're like old Stonewall Jackson. He said that God, his religion had taught him to fear the battlefield as little as his bed. Why would he fear a battlefield? Well, you can get killed in a battlefield. Well, you can die in your bed. You hear about the, the ceiling at the airport in Paris caving in last night? Well, this morning over there. There's a bunch of people sitting around the airport in, in Paris, France, and, and the ceiling fell in. Killed five of them. Five, five people just traveling through the airport and, and the ceiling fell down on their heads. Killed five of them. Injured several others of them. Well, you might think you were fairly safe in, a, in an airport, fairly safe in your bed, uh, but I suspect, I suspect more people have died in their beds than have died on highways. You know, but we don't fear death. But see, death isn't our focus. Our focus is the second coming of Christ. And that's what Paul is constantly pushing them to consider. Not just Paul. Peter, James, John, and Jude. Um, all of the New Testament writers are, are urging this on them. And oh, I believe there would be a huge benefit. A huge benefit in us living every day of our life in the expectation of the return of Christ. Now, I ain't got time to do this right now, but I will. I'll have to because it, it comes up over here in Second Thessalonians. There's, there's a balance here, as there is in every doctrine of the Scripture. Hallelujah. Balance is always sweet. Keeps us from extremes one way or the other. Paul says, Now, I don't want you to be troubled about some epistle that you got that supposedly was from me, but wasn't. That the day of the Lord is at hand. Well, I thought Paul's saying the day of the Lord's at hand. He's always saying it's at hand. He said, now, there's some things that's got to happen first. And he, he enumerates some things that, that are going to take place before the coming of Christ. And the reason he did that was because there were some people who said, well, Christ is coming again, so, so I, I'm going to quit my job. And, and uh, I'm just going to go sit on a hill somewhere and, and watch the eastern sky and, and wait for Jesus' return. So Paul has to balance that, say, no, no, you, you look for the return of Christ, but work till He comes. Do the necessary things till He comes. Earn a living. Do the things that you have to do to keep your house from falling in around your ears and keep your family strong in the Lord and, and faithful to His church and all those kinds of things because, because He is coming and you don't know when it's going to be. But He balances that with some things that must take place. Um, before that happens, and well, 
I want us to notice this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 because it's another one of those places. And I want us to notice the context of it. In 1 Thessalonians, I'll tell you, prepare you, warn you, whatever, um, that, that uh, I'm, I'm intending by the grace of God to camp on this, this subject of the second coming of Christ for the foreseeable future. It's before us. And, and I'm, I'm going to read through the New Testament as I said. Notice every place. And I've, I'm, and I've got two outlines going. One is, what's going to happen when Jesus comes again? Now, all of the, you know, the millennial issue, uh, I'm sure I'll tell my position on that somewhere or another. But, you know, just the general thing that's going to happen when, when Jesus comes again. And then, there's another one that's going, the list is going right now, is, is uh, the benefits of thinking about the return of Christ. The benefits of thinking about the return. What, what will it do for you to think about the return of Christ? Well, here's one right here. In 1 Thessalonians chapter uh, 2, I want us to begin reading in uh, verse 13. We've already talked about verse 12, a worthy walk. That you would walk worthy of God who has called you unto His kingdom and glory. For this cause we thank, for this cause also thank we God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. For ye brethren became followers of the churches of God which, which in Judea are in Christ. Christ Jesus. For you also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us, and they please not God, nor contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up their sins always. For the wrath of God has come upon them to the uttermost. But we, brethren, being taken from you a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavoring the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. But what is our hope, or joy, or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? For ye are our glory and joy. Now I want to talk this morning about our glory and our joy. Um, I'd give a nickel if everybody here could have heard Brother Jimmy Fulmer's sermon Friday night. It was just, uh, I'll tell you what, it was glory, hallelujah, shouting ground. He talked in that verse in, in Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. He talked about three of the hundreds of reasons he could have picked out as to why we ought to be rejoicing in the Lord. And then, Brother David Piles uh, spoke yesterday afternoon and he said something that just has absolutely set my mind a world. I mean, absolutely has set my mind a world. And it's a principle that, frankly, I've often wondered about. And I've never really had a satisfactory answer for it. You remember over there, uh, Jesus told the parable about uh, the talents. He, there was the, the landowner who was going away. And he gave, he gave to one of his servants five talents, to one he gave two, to another he gave one. And, and he said, now I want you to, to make good use of this while I'm gone. 
And he went away. And then he came again. Well, there's definitely a picture there of the second coming of Christ. But he says, when he, when he got back, the, the, the man who had earned, who had been given five, had earned five more. And he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. If you've been faithful over a few things, I'll make you rule over many things. Enter thou in the joy of thy Lord. The guy that he, to whom he'd given two came up he'd, and he'd earned two more. And he says the same thing to him. Well, the guy that had gotten one talent said, Lord, I knew you were a hard man and, and uh, I was afraid I'd lose this. I went and buried it. And uh, when, I, when I knew you would come back, I went and dug up and here's, here's, your, here's your talent. And of course, the, the Lord there read him the riot act. He said, you wicked and you slowful servant. You said you condemned yourself out of your own mouth. You said I was a hard man that I reaped where I didn't sow, you should have at least put my money in the bank and earn interest on it. And so he said, Take it away from him and give it to the man that has ten. For he that has unto him it shall be given, and to him that hath not, even that he hath shall be taken away from him. Now, the part I'd always wondered about was, why did the guy that had ten get this man's one? To him that hath it shall be given. To him that hath not, it shall be taken away, even that he hath. Now, this isn't original with me. Now, I'm going to try to tell you what Brother David Pyle said, because this is important. Listen, friends. This is really important. And it has everything to do with joy. And Paul says, ye are our joy. Our joy is wrapped up in something that's going to happen at the return of Christ. I want to see you faithful and serving the Lord when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. Notice he doesn't say, I want you to see you serving the Lord till you die. I want to see you serving the Lord until Jesus comes again. Listen, it ought to be every one of our desires to commit our lives to serve the Lord Jesus Christ until Jesus comes again. Now, death may intervene, but the better goal would be to serve Him until He comes again, not till we die. Because, think about it, when you die, you're just going to really begin to serve the Lord with, with all glory and free from the bondage of sin and corruption. Well, back to the parable. I've often wondered why the one talent was given to the, to the one that had ten. I always thought, why didn't you give to the guy that had four and, and, and instead of ten? Well... He used kind of brother brother David is uh is I think his field of secular studies had to do something with economics or something but anyway um, he said you ever noticed how the rich get richer and the poor get poorer that's true isn't it the rich just somehow seem to get richer and the poor somehow just tend to get poorer and you've heard the old adage that, you know, you've got to have money to make money, right? I mean, what would you do right now if you had a million dollars? You think you could, you think you could make $50,000 in this next year? Why, if you just put it in some kind of mutual funds, I don't know what the rates are, but you could probably, you know, $50,000, you know, $50,000, that's nothing to sneeze at. I'd love to have $50,000. But, let's say you've got zero. Now, how are you going to make $50,000? Well, you're going to have to work at it, aren't you? You're going to have to, 
You're going to have to go out and labor and do something that... Alright, now, the principle here is the principle of the kingdom of God as well. I've often wondered why some people flounder their way through the kingdom of God. It's always grieved me. It grieves me to see people flounder their way through life in a spiritual way. And then I'm always thrilled when I see someone just just uh, up and running and faithful and, 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 and has something good to say, something positive to contribute, some, some uh, word of exhortation, some word of comfort. Uh, they always come to church with a, with a, hi, how are you doing? And, and uh, when it comes time to sing, they want to pick up a book and they want to lift up their hearts and, and bless God with their singing. And, and, uh, and, you, know, and, and you kind of wonder why, 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 there's, why this exists. Why that the rich keep on getting richer and the poor keep getting poorer. Well, there it is. Now, here is the thing that you need to consider. And I need to consider. We all need to consider. And that is this. The more you have, the more you exercise your spiritual uh, muscles, the more you exercise the gifts that God has given to you, you know what's going to happen? The, the, more you're, the stronger you're going to be. But the more a person sits around and, and badmouths uh, himself, or badmouths the church, or badmouths the preacher, or badmouths this one because they didn't do this, and that one because they didn't do that, and, and you know what's happening? They, are, they have locked themselves into a vicious cycle of spiritual poverty. It's a sad thing to see. It grieves my heart. And it, and, it, and it foments more of the same. Faithlessness foments faithlessness. Uh, jealousy foments jealousy. Bitterness foments bitterness. Anger foments anger. But conversely, joy foments joy. Blessing foments blessing. Exhortation foments more exhortation. Uh, working in the kingdom foments more of a desire to work in the kingdom. And so it is in the kingdom of God that the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. But you see, there's a way to break the cycle of poverty. The way to break the cycle of poverty is to repent of sins Turn away from those things that dishonor God and commit the life to Jesus Christ and labor for the things that endure to eternal life. Paul says it like this um, in Colossians, I believe it is, but he says it somewhere. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. For ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. And then he says this, For Christ, who is our life, when He shall appear, then shall we also appear with Him in glory. You see, here's this connection once again with the second coming of Christ. 
and seeking the things which are above. Setting your affection on things above. Because let me tell you, my friends, the things which are above are the real things of existence. Oh, if we could just get into our minds and our hearts what C.S. Lewis well said when he talked about this world as being just a shadow land. When you, when you think on this earth as what is really important and your focus is on the things of this earth, I'm telling you, it tends to spiritual penury. But when our focus is on the things of heaven and of the things above, and our desire is to be faithful until, until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again, listen, my friends, that tends to spiritual wellness. Spiritual strength. Spiritual happiness. And the fact of the matter is, no one can do that for you. I always think about that verse over there in Galatians 5. It says, Bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And we rejoice in that. But then, just a few verses down, he says this, For every man shall bear his own burden. And you know what I get from that is, you know, I can help you over a hump, and you can help me over a hump, but I can't carry you, and you can't carry me. This church cannot carry you. You cannot carry the church. It, it, is, it is your job to lay hold of God's amazing grace every day of your life to live to the glory of Christ. Now, Paul Peter says it like this over in 1 Peter chapter 3. And he's talking about the second coming of Christ over there. He says, he says uh, our focus should be on these holy things, on these heavenly things. And he says, now the people around you are not going to understand this. He says, they don't know why you're not going, as the King James says, to the same excess of riot. I love the way King James turns a phrase there, to the same excess of riot. What's he talking about? Well, the world's out there beer drinking and partying and carrying on and chasing women or chasing men and, and, and carrying on all kinds of ungodliness. And you know what? They're amazed, Peter says, that you're not doing it too. They, they, they wonder that you're not going with them. But you know why, you know why we're not going with them? Because we know where they're going. And we know where we're going. And, and when our affections are on the things above, and our, when we understand our citizenship is in heaven from whence we look for the coming of Christ, Paul says in Philippians, we're the citizens of a heavenly country, and we've got our eye on that country from which Christ is coming, then it makes all their beer drinking party and carrying on that they do, we see it for what it is. It's empty, useless nothingness. And so why run after that? There's no real benefit to it. There's no real value in it. All it does is drag a soul down to hell. That's all it does. It's all it ever has done. That's all it ever will do. But the child of grace sees it for what it is. You know why? Because he's got a heavenly perspective. He's waiting for the coming of Christ. He's got his eye set on heaven. From whence we look for the appearing of our Savior. And we look for this crown of righteousness, Paul says in 2 Timothy, that the Lord shall give me at that day. And I love that. 
and I'm, I don't have time to get into that right now, but Paul is constantly talking about that day. And I've searched in vain for the antecedent of the pronoun. That day. What, what day is he talking about? Well, he tells us uh, in Second Timothy. He says, and that's not only to us, but to all who love his appearing. Oh, do you love the appearing of Christ? Is there anything that would give you more joy, more, more inward strength and glory and joy than to think of the second coming of Christ? If there is, then, then you need to repent of being so earthbound that you cannot enjoy the things of the heavenlies and of the kingdom of God. Now we're stuck here in the world. And we're supposed to make the best of it and be happy while we're here. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He's not talking about after you die. He's talking about right now. We can rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And Brother Zach, you wouldn't, you won't, you wouldn't be surprised at what Brother Zach talked about yesterday afternoon. He talked about how husbands ought to be better husbands. Just good old down to earth exhortation that you, you, you know but then it also makes you want to hang your head. You feel like a dirty dog because you know you're not doing it like you ought to be doing it. And, and it, But also, Brother Zach's got this wonderful gift of not making you feel just like a dirty dog. But you always come away thinking, you know, I can do that. I, I can beat this. I, I, I'm going to do better. I always, you always come away from Brother Zach like that. And, and it, you know, it's, there's probably something profitable about coming away with a whip dog attitude, but... There's there's just something sweet about having you know being whipped and knowing how far short you've come, but also with this thing, you know, I can do this. I'm I'm going to do better. That's what Brother Zach does. He he he's always and I hate, he does a lot better than he lets on. He he's he you know preachers sometimes and he does this have to kind of denigrate yourself so you don't look like you're bragging. But Brother Zach does a pretty good job of that. I'm I'm quite sure. But he talked about how that he. He, uh, you know, he didn't do like he ought to do, and he, he wanted to do better. You know how you know how he always does. But it, it lets you know, okay, here's a sinner. Here's one sinner talking to another sinner. Here's somebody that struggles, but he's doing it. And I can do it too. And I want to do it too. I want to do it better. I want to be stronger in this. And you know what I want? I want to have such spiritual richness about my life that I can turn some more riches like that. That it's not work. It's not some, some toilsome labor to turn more spiritual riches and have more spiritual blessing, which in, is, is in fact having more of Christ. And the more you have of it, the easier it is to keep it. The easier it is to get more. The less you have of it, the easier it is to have less. So you've got to be careful. You've got to really be careful. Or you'll be one of those of whom the preacher worries and mourns. And when he prays for you, he just kind of groans in his spirit. Oh, I say, Lord. You know, that's what it says over there. And Paul said, he said uh, that you ought to you ought to esteem those very highly in love's sake who labor for you because they must give an account that they may do it with joy and not grief. See, the preacher goes to the throne of grace and he thinks about Brother X. 
And when he thinks about Brother X, he just says, Bless God. Lord, give me more like Brother X. And then there's Brother Y. And, and Brother Y, he says, Lord, can I, you know, help him. He really needs something right now. Just And then there's Brother Z. And oh, mercy. He just sat there and groaned. Groaned. Every preacher's got those situations to, to deal with. I've talked to all these preachers. I, I know what it's like. Don't be a person who makes your preacher groan when he thinks of you before the throne of grace. Now, not so you can help your preacher feel better. <laughs> you know, I, that's okay. But I'm telling you, because that is not for your benefit. It is not in your interest to be there. And you can be elsewhere. God's grace is sufficient for every child of grace to rise up and lay hold of God's grace and live in joy and blessing before God. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share with a friend. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord.